Now, I've been preaching through um, Luke's gospel and to do with the story of the nativity in our advent here at Highway 33. And, and I'm going to preach to you uh, this morning for a few minutes a verse that you never hear in any Christmas carols. Mind you, somebody's going to find a Christmas carol with this verse in, I know. But I failed miserably. Even in Handel's Messiah, that it, this verse is not talked about. And yet it is part of the Christmas narrative. It is part of the journey. And on this journey across uh, through Christmas, as I've preached, I have taken you from the faith of Mary. And we understand that Mary, of course... Um, was thoughtful, she pondered, she treasured, she was willing to receive the call of the Lord. She was willing to say, I don't understand how this could be possible, but I'm willing in faith with an open mind to follow what God has for me. And that beautiful statement where she says, I am the Lord's servant. This is impossible. How can this be? But at the the end of the day, I am willing to say, I am the Lord's servant. Therefore, I have an open heart. I have an open mind. I am willing to, to submit to God's call to carry the Savior of the world and to be the Virgin Mary, to take that call and to be willing to step into that. And shouldn't that be our heart as we finish off this year and we begin a new year? That our heart is we are all called to be servants of the living God. And whatever God calls us to do, whether it's to move to, to the north, to, to Prince George. And even as I say Prince George, I'm telling myself, don't say Grand Prairie. Um, but even this moment, glorious how God calls us, how God moves, how God is with us. And we say, we don't always understand how this comes about, but I am willing to be the servant of the Lord. Even to fly to Tanzania, to be there through the first few weeks of January. Lord, I don't understand how you're going to do this, but I am a servant of the Lord. Lord, from the rolling hills of Worcestershire, where, where the source flows freely, God called an English pastor to come to Cologne and to Willow Park Church. I am the servant of the Lord. Wherever we are... We have to respond and say, as we begin, we start to say, yes, I am the servant of the Lord like Mary. And then there were the shepherds. The shepherds heard well. The angel came to them. And we need to say to ourselves, am I willing to be a person who hears the voice of God well? Of course, they had an angel. And the glory of the Lord, and then they had a choir of angels that appeared. But in our own lives, are we willing to say, I'm going to be a person that hears? I'm going to study the word of God. I'm going to walk. I thank you that the message of Christmas is that we are no longer at war with God and enmity, but we are at peace with God because of the work of Christ. And that, that part of me that says, I want to be independent, I surrender that and I say, I want to be with the Lord. And the angel said to the shepherds, fear not. Don't be afraid. You see, fear entered the world when the human race fell in the garden. And we believed the lie of the serpent. And whenever you believe the lie of the serpent, fear will come into your life. But when you have that close, intimate, glorious relationship with Christ, 
wow, then fear is dispelled because when your relationship is close to Christ, all fear is broken in your life because he whispers, he speaks to us. And maybe 2020, you're saying to yourself, I've got fear. I can only encourage you as your pastor to say to you, dig into Christ. Go deeper into his love. Go closer to him. Because there, in that intimate relationship, fear disappears. We thought about that wonderful word, behold. A word that is not used in our modern translations. This is a Greek word even. It's more than just seeing. It's beholding. It's holding. It's marveling. It's lingering. It's taking scripture. It's taking the truth of the gospel. And it's about beholding who God is in our lives. And as we enter this new year, let's, let's ask the Lord, 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 may I be a person who beholds. What we have lost in our Christian walk is the ability to sit still and the ability to behold, the ability to ponder, the ability to contemplate the truth of Scripture and the ability to go deeper into Christ. In our phone-driven, notification world with everything that, is, that it, uh, goes around, we're losing the beauty of beholding the glory of God within our lives. And if there's one prayer for 2020, it's that we would be a people that behold the glory of God within our lives. And we would know this. But then, of course, Jesus is presented at the temple. And when the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Luke chapter 2, he went to the temple to be circumcised. And there in the temple, and I'll get to the verse I want to share with you. The story is they went to honor after eight days. And there in the temple, temple was Simeon. He was a, a man that had waited for the glory of God with a prophetic heart. And he was there. And he sees Mary, he sees the child. And in verse 27, it says, moved by the spirit, he went into the temple courts. And when the parents brought the child, Jesus, to him, what was the custom of the law required? Simeon took him in his arms and praised God. Imagine that scene of there, the one that was waiting the man that had prayed, the man that had believed God, he takes up, he scoops up the baby and holds the baby. I love that. I love dedications and, and holding the baby, particularly when they don't cry. And Simeon took it in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. I'm ready to die. I have seen the Messiah. Now dismiss me in peace. Isn't that how we would all like to go? I'd like to be dismissed in peace. Not yet, but one day. I will be dismissed. Well done. You've been dismissed. You've served. You've prayed. You've read. You've lingered. You've interceded. You've served God. But now you are dismissed. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. 
The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Wow. That's the verse you often Never hear preached at Christmas. That verse. Now he takes the baby and he he looks at the couple. And they probably think, oh, we're going to get a mighty blessing here. It's going to be wonderful. And then he starts to speak about how this baby will divide the nation of Israel. Starts to speak about how a sword will pierce and looks at Mary. And as he looks at Mary, he looks and says, the very sword will pierce your heart. You can see why this isn't on Christmas cards, can't you? (laughs) You can see why this isn't sung in the great. And Mary's heart was pierced by a sword. It's talking about the fact that That the Christian message is a message like a sword and it comes into our lives and it comes into nations and it comes into people's hearts. And this message has an ability to divide people. It has an ability to cut deep to the heart. This message is there. It's like a sword that has entered the world and it is the sword that is present We know that if we have a disease within our own lives and we go to the surgeon, it is a scalpel that comes and cuts out that disease so that we can be healed and free. It is the sword of what Jesus Christ would achieve when he was nailed to the cross that would cut away the curse of sin and death and bring freedom to every one of us. But this sword, what does he mean by this? Well, of course, he's making... This statement, that that what happens is that when you have Jesus Christ, it creates conflict in society. It creates conflict in lives. It creates conflict because when Jesus turns up and starts to work, when Jesus turns up and starts to minister, what happens is that people start to become polarized. They start to accept or reject. They start to fight. Even you may have experienced this when suddenly being a Christian in 2020 has become more difficult, has become more challenging. The values of the kingdom of God, the values of the gospel have suddenly become more polarized, more unacceptable, uh, more, more difficult. And it becomes more difficult even in the workplace and living a correct way. And living by kingdom values, suddenly you find that these values are polarized and there are conflicts and it is difficult and it is hard because of the philosophies of the world to maintain our belief in the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. This is what he means. Maybe you've experienced that. Even just being a lovely, kind, honest, straightforward Christian in the workplace at times can create problems, can't it? Because there are other values. 
Maybe dishonesty. Maybe gossip. Maybe the way that people are treated. Maybe kinds of prejudice. And you're different because you are called to love all people. You are called to be kind to people. You're not called to join in to the banter, into the negativity, into the cynicism. You are called to be different. And by your very presence within where God has placed you at times, you feel the pressure of that, no doubt. It's like a police officer on you. Went into his um, police station and loved the Lord, was serving the Lord uh, back in the UK, but realized very quickly that a number of the gentlemen within that police station were taking little backhanders and off the pimps, so they won't arrest the, uh, the prostitutes and the, the kind of the depth of uh, slight corruption that was going on within that police station. Uh, precinct and what was taking place and he felt the pressure and would talk about it and, and, and wanted to just be an honest servant of God within that environment but because of the corruption in that particular area it became impossible. He even received threats from, um, from the um, from, from anonymous threats from people about his own life and his own family. And he had to change location and change police stations because of the pressure. But all he wanted to be was honest, was open, was upright, was to be as God called him to be, a light that shines in darkness. But of course, when you carry the light of Jesus, you don't even expect there to be conflict. But you find that in some societies and some settings, the very fact that you hold the name of Christ as your Lord creates a sword within society and creates a conflict. And he promised that. You're feeling the conflict growing in the Western world to the, to, to the antagonism against the truth of the gospel even now. This is nothing new. You know, I remember neighbors in a neighborhood that, that were, were, there was outrage because immigrants moved into that particular neighborhood. And rather than shunning them, And being prejudiced towards them, this family opened their home up. And they were warm and friendly and caring and welcoming as they should. But the result was a sword came into that little community. Because the people were outraged that you should welcome these refugees, these immigrants. And you should be like that. We don't want this. We want to shun them. There is a clash of the sword of values that comes right in. And you may face that in many different ways. That's why we need a prayer life. That's why we need a life that is driven by the Bible. That's why we need to keep our hearts set in the spirit of God. Because like the early church, where you could not move for a God, there were gods everywhere. If you were in the military, there were gods If you were at a festival, there were gods. Every family had their own personal deity and gods. And then every nation had their deity and gods. And then above everything was Caesar, the god of the emperor, the one that ruled and the one that reigned. And you couldn't get work if you didn't join the guilds of certain idols and certain gods. And the Christian church was birthed because they could not engage. And it was a a conflict. It was a collision 
a literal collision of values of society because this baby that Simeon was holding, as he held this baby, he looked at this baby and said, he will bring the falling and the rising. He will bring division. He will bring a sword. And in fact, the early church experienced that. They experienced isolation. They experienced the inability to engage in the marketplace and in commerce. They experienced that, that sense of being persecuted by the very nature that they believed in one God. Because they looked at the idols and they could not worship. They looked at the philosophy of Rome and they could not engage it was, and they were seen, strangely, in the Roman Empire, Christians. Those Christians are the guys that are intolerant to everything. That's how it was seen. Intolerance. Intolerance. You know, have you heard that cry about our faith these days? That there's an intolerance. It's not true. We are driven by love. We are driven by truth. We are driven by the power of the truth of the gospel. And we, we face that pressure. It's like the psalmist said. What did the psalmist say? I am for peace, but they are for war. And I, you and I are for peace. But it just sometimes feels like everybody else is for war. It feels like everybody else. Now, should this make us, should this make us sad? Should this, no, it should make us wake up to the reality of where we live and what is happening within our lives and within our societies and know that the great words of this great prophet in the temple holding the baby, praising God and saying, I can die now, but realize that this baby brings a sword. It's a sword. But it mentions, of course, that Mary herself would feel the piercing pain of the sword. That she would experience this in her own life. And indeed she did. Mary knew what it was to fail. She knew what it was to be gossiped about because she became pregnant before she was married. She knew what it was, the pain of what it would be to carry Jesus with all of the suspicion and all of the tittle-tattle and everything that was taking place. She understood at times she made mistakes. Remember in Mark chapter 3, they, they're wondering, Jesus is ministering and Jesus is, 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 is teaching and preaching and, they, and people are complaining and this family come to grab him because they think Jesus is mad and they think he's crazy and he rebukes them and he says, but your mother and your brothers are here. And he says, who is my mother? Who is my brother? My mother and my brother, my family are those that do the will of God. That would have stung Mary. But she was responding, even in her own weakness, that she couldn't understand why Jesus was behaving this way, even at that moment. And her heart would have been pierced by a sword of her own failure and the rebuke of Jesus to her. But she never gave up and Jesus never gave up. And even as he hung upon the cross, he looked down and saw the beloved John and said, take care of my mother. 
and loved her, loved her. At that point, even at death, he loved his mother. But her heart was pierced by a sword as she looked up and saw the son that she loved with all of her heart, with everything within her, and couldn't believe that now he was nailed to a cross. Now he was dying. Now he was, he was hanging there. How could this be? This was not the way it should be. I saw angels. We had wise men come. Shepherds came. God was present. He spoke to us in dreams and miraculous ways. How can this be? My heart is pierced at this point. And I know that for many of us in our own Christian walk, there are times in our lives when we feel the piercing of the sword in our own heart. We travel through disappointment. We travel through painful experiences. You may look back at the last a decade, and how it has changed in your own life, how things have shifted, how people have passed on, how illnesses and difficulties, how job changes and disappointments, and maybe you yourself have experiencing at times the piercing of the sword that you've experienced the pain of difficulty. Can I encourage you? That no matter what happens, that we serve a risen Lord, that on the third day he rose again. That even through our darkest times, he promises to be with us. Even through the challenges of our family life, he promises to be our provider. Even when we feel as if we cannot cope, he promises because he died and he rose again. And then he sent the power of his Holy Spirit and gave us the gift of his Bible. And we now, we now are his church, are his children, and he loves us. You may feel the sword in your life. But remember the Savior. Because I know the Christian Christmas message is all about peace and goodwill. But here it's about a sword. What does this mean to us? Well, can I be honest? And we often don't mention this. The Christian life is, yes, about peace with God, goodwill to all men. But the Christian life is also a fight. We have to fight. We have to fight. What do I mean by fight? Physically, no. But I know that the day I became a Christian, I began a fight. I began a fight against the powers of darkness and against the world eyes of the enemy. I began a fight that is real, that is out there, that exists. I began a fight for my Christian faith. And every one of us, we are all called to be soldiers, but we're in a fight. But you know where the biggest fight takes place within my life? The biggest fight takes place within my very soul. That I am battling and fighting As I go through the process of sanctification, I am fighting with my old self. I am fighting with my own old attitudes. I'm fighting, I don't know, you may, against anger, against jealousy, against bitterness, against resentment, against the the flesh within my life. And I realize pretty 
quickly that, 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 that being a Christian means you have a conflict with the world. Being a Christian also means that you have an inner conflict that takes place within your life as you put to death your old nature and you serve Christ in your new nature. And that's a fight, isn't it? And in 2020, I want to encourage you to keep the good fight. That area of your life that you want God to change, fight it and deal with it in the name of Jesus. That area where you need freedom, you believe that Christ can give you that freedom. Fight it. Don't let that sin, don't let that negativity, don't let that darkness, because sometimes in my heart and your heart, no doubt, there is a... There is a fight, you know. I met a waitress down the road at Wings here. And you're thinking, how can I go from that to this? And I like to go to Wings in Rutland. Do you like Wings in Rutland? Oh, they're awesome. It's cheap. Wings Wednesday. Hallelujah. Um, love it. And she's a very friendly young lady, but she is a professional um, fighter. You know, those kind of cage fighters. I knew there was something difficult, uh, different about her because she was very pleasant, but she was, you know, tough. And, and, and when, they, uh, when she spoke to me, I just wanted to bow. And, <laughs> and she then started to tell us about her fight coming up in Chilliwack. It was like a, a professional fight. She trained for it. I mean, lovely girl. But she could, she could have completely beat me up. And... <laughs> And so nice, but packing, you know. And, and I said, oh, and later on I went in and I said, how, how did that fight go? And she said, oh, it was great. I won. There was no doubt there she was going to win, you know. Pray for her boyfriend. No doubt at that moment. She said, oh, yeah, and there, it's online. And she, like, she just, like, caned this other person in about... In about 15 seconds or something, she walked. I know Rutland, born in Rutland. She, <laughs> boom, and suddenly that per- done. Now I'm a pacifist, of course, and I'm not endorsing this. But I was like, ah, oh, yeah, I my my tip was very big, um, <laughs> credible. But within my own life, I feel like sometimes in the cage of my own soul that there are fights to win. And, and some of them aren't just won in 15 seconds like that girl. Some of them have been battles for a number of months, for years. I've had to fight. You see, if you read Romans 6, 7, and 8, it's about a fight. That we put into death our old self, so, gentlemen, we become better husbands. We put into death our old ways so we become godly men of prayer and righteousness we're fighting the battle within the cage of our own inner being and we're saying no for for what i i want to be renewed and moved by the power of christ and that only comes to the reality of true repentance within our lives see if you feel the fight within your soul to change who you are because you're coming into line from Romans 6 through to 7 and to 8 where you are free in the spirit. That I want to tell you that is good news because you are aware of the presence of God. Because the truth is this. There are 
Literally tens of thousands of people that go to church. I knew this growing up in England. Our family members. They would have filled the churches and the parishes in the shires in Britain, in the cathedrals, would have been full on, on, on Christmas Eve. The services, people would sit in chapels and pews. They would call themselves Christians. Indeed, they would have been christened, as I was as a child, into, into national Christianity. And there... They, they would have got married in those chapels and they would hold to Christianity. But when you talk to them and you chat to them, they would never talk about the fight that takes place within a Christian's life. It's irrelevant to them. Why? Because it's religion, not relationship. And when you've got relationship, you've got to fight on. Because you've got to put your old self to death. You've got to go, okay. The sword comes to divide people. The sword comes to divide our own hearts. And the sword comes, it comes, and repentance comes like a disinfectant that is painful at first, but brings healing and power. Where we are willing to admit who we are and admit our weaknesses and to bring our, our weaknesses and to admit and say, I cannot be the only master of my life. The true master of my life is Jesus Christ. My will and God's will. Whose will's going to win? What is the main thing? The main thing is that we will do the will of the living God within our lives. That his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. His will be done. Even if I feel the sword in society. I feel the sword in public opinion. And I even feel the sword in my own heart. That says, Phil, sort it out. Come. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be with you. Where I say to myself, God, I now allow you to be the master of all the universe and I trust my life to you. That's the most beautiful place you can be. Where you say, I trust God. I stop, I stop now trying to rule my own little universe. And I hand it over to God. And I say, God, you are, you are my master. You are my Lord. I hand it all over. And there, there is such immense peace. There is such freedom. There is such joy in our relationship with God. But you remember in Genesis 3, there is a flaming what? Sword. Adam and Eve have sinned. They've been cast out the garden and the Lord says, I place a flaming sword. You see... That very statement, the flaming sword, in the Old Testament is repeated in the New Testament when it says in John 3 verse 23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The sword was there. And everybody in Israel knew as they watched those sacrifices of the lambs and the, and the bulls for the sins of the nation and came under the blade, came under the sword. They knew that was the way. But then came a day and Simeon held the baby in his arms 
And he talked about the sword. And that was because one day Christ would be nailed to that cross. And the sword, as it were, would travel through him. And through his death, through that moment, as it were, of coming under the sword, of coming and being sacrificed, of giving his life so that we may be forgiven, of dealing with the power of sin in our lives. You know what happened? He took the power of that sword, and that power is now taken away, and you and I are restored into that place of intimacy, into that place of relationship, into that place where we can walk again with God in the cool of the evening. There is no sword stopping you from entering the relationship with God because Christ has taken the sword and he has forgiven us of all our sins and he has freed us. That's what he did. And that's the beauty of this, that I am no longer condemned, but I am forgiven. That I am no longer at odds with God in enmity, but I am loved and forgiven. So I guess, how can I land this message? Well, first of all, it's a question to you about conflict. I am not prophesying, I'm just saying the trajectory of our society, that if this is the end of this last decade and see how things have radically changed in 10 years, I can say that the church in the next 10 years will face the sword of division, the polarization, and the question to you, are you for Christ, and are you willing to stand by the kingdom of God? Because the sword is always present in the falling and rising of nations. Secondly, I know that there are times in your own life where you have been pierced by your own failure, like Mary. But rather than giving up, are you willing to stand up and keep walking with Christ, even if you failed, even if you feel the failure, even if you felt the disappointment, are you willing never to give up on Jesus Christ? And thirdly, the sword of our internal fight. Are you willing in 2020, to keep allowing the Lord to cut away at the parts of your life that need to be changed? Are you willing to take the next step to become closer and more intimate with Christ? Are you willing to keep going farther and going deeper in 2020? Are you willing to fight the fight within you? And be willing to deal with those things that you know need to be dealt with. And to become the man and the woman of God that God is calling you to be. So wonderful. That is the greatest journey that we have. To become more like Christ. And experience his heart, his mind. In other words, are we willing to say, I am no longer master of my own life. But he is my master. And I will allow the Lord to run the universe. And I will trust him. Even when we suffer. Even when we face the difficulties. I'm going to trust God. Because God's not going to let me down. 
Because there will come a day when the trumpet will sound and he will put all things right and every tear will be wiped away and there will be peace on earth and Christ's kingdom will come. And so, the Christmas message that nobody ever preaches. I preached this morning. Yes, swords at Christmas are not something we tend to have at Living Nativity. But we'll see. But we know it's the reality of our lives. Let's stand together. For a moment, and I'm so amazed and so thankful that... And what is the quietest day of the Christian calendar that this church is packed with devoted believers that you want to be in the house of the Lord and you want to be here. And I just sense God's pleasure at that, dear friends. So what is your next step? What is your next move? Is it time at the beginning of this new decade to fully, once again, commit yourself to Christ? To that calling? To be the person God wants you to be? To live the way the Lord wants you to live? To walk in obedience. What you can achieve this next decade will be remarkable. Are you willing? This for some of us could be our last decade. I want it to be count. I want it to count in prayers. I want it to count in devotion. I want it to count in allowing the Lord to bring the sword into my heart and to cut away what needs to be cut away. So let's pause and dedicate our lives to Christ. Holy Spirit, come and rest on us. Come and fill us. Lord, we realize that we may face the sword of 
difficulty in our life, we may face disappointment. We may disappoint. But give us the courage. And thank you, Jesus, that you you came and you removed the sword of, ju- sword of judgment and you freed us as your children and you've forgiven us. Thank you, Lord. We dedicate our lives to you this morning.